0: Turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 19, Luke chapter 19, verse 28 and following. Now those of you who've been here for a long time, you know that I do not like preaching a church calendar. I know a lot of people, they get, a lot of pastors get excited about preaching the Christmas messages and all these different things. I like to be able to pray and ask God what he has for us for today, whether it's April or December or whatever day of the year that it is. But there was something that stood out in this portion of Scripture that I want to focus upon. And it comes right after what we would normally read about. So Luke chapter 19, verse 28. We're talking about recognizing the time of God's visitation. Recognizing the time of God's visitation. After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethpage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives... He sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it to me. If anyone asks you, Why are you untying it? Tell them, The Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it, just as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked, Why are you untying the colt? They replied, The Lord needs it. And glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, If they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. Father, we pray that you would add a blessing to the reading of your word. We pray that you give us ears to hear what the Spirit would say to us. And we ask this all in Jesus' name. When Jesus rode into Jerusalem... He was fulfilling a prophecy that Zechariah had spoken hundreds of years before. Jesus was presenting himself as the king of the Jews. In Zechariah 9.9, it says this, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the fool of a donkey." How many in the crowd really understood all that was going on? We don't necessarily know. But we do know that they responded by quoting their praises from the Messianic Psalms. and Psalms chapter 118 verse 25 and 6. O Lord save us. O Lord grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord we bless you. Now. Not only did Jesus fulfill prophecy as he entered into Jerusalem, but he also forced the Jewish religious leaders to act. Now, if we would take the time, and we don't necessarily have that today, but if we would take the time to go back throughout Scripture, we would be able to find that the Jewish leaders were looking for an opportunity to arrest him. But they did not want to do it during the feast. Because they were afraid, if they did it during the feast, the people would rise up against him. They were afraid of the people's response. But God, in his foreknowledge and wisdom, had ordained that Jesus be slain on the Passover... As the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Remember whenever John saw him, John the Baptist, I believe it's in John 3. He says, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And so we find here that that was God's plan. The religious leaders of the day wanted to wait till after Passover when things calmed down, when there weren't so many people in town. They wanted to arrest him and deal with Jesus. But the father had a plan that Jesus would be slain as the Passover lamb and that he would take away the sins of the people. Every previous attempt to arrest Jesus had failed. Because the scripture says that his hour had not yet come. There were times before where they wanted to arrest him, where they wanted to grab a hold of him, but God prevented that because it was not the appointed time. May I just suggest to you today that there's some things that God does not do in your life yet because it's not yet the appointed time. The time has not been fulfilled. It's it's not ready yet. In the wisdom of God, now is not the time. His hour had not yet come. But when they saw this great celebration, the leaders knew that they had to act. And later that week, they would find the willing cooperation of one of Jesus' own disciples, Judas. He would solve that problem for them. Now, commentators suggest that there were three groups of people in the crowds in Jerusalem at that day, in the Passover crowd. The native Judeans, who the commentators suggest, were suspicious of Jesus. The Galileans, who followed him and believed in upon him. And the visitors from outside of Judea, who did not know who Jesus was. There were people from all over Israel who had come, and they did not know who he was. He did not have CNN at the time. He didn't have Fox News and public radio to talk about him, all of these different ways, or Christian radio or Christian television. So there were people who never even heard who Jesus was. There were pilgrims coming into the area, and they would not have known him, and yet they saw this roar and, and all of these people coming into the city. There would have been people who had their questions about him. They were kind of suspicious of what does he want, what's he trying to do. And there were those who were truly his followers. Within the crowd from Judea were people who saw him raise Lazarus from the dead. There was a statement that I'd heard before, and perhaps you've thought it. The statement that the crowd that cried Hosanna on Palm Sunday ended up crucifying him on Good Friday is not true. Because that's one of the things that always kind of bothered me. I don't know if it bothered you. I'm like, well, if they're singing Hosanna... And they're singing and dancing on Sunday. And then on Friday, they're crucifying him. I'm like, I don't want to be hanging around those kind of people. I love that. I don't know what you, I really like that song. I get excited by that song. That's a blessing. And, you know, I'm thinking about them. They were dancing and shouting. And then on Friday, they want to kill him. I'm like, man, that's, man, that's tough. Most of these people were not the ones who were yelling to crucify him. They would not have been the ones who were doing that. It was primarily, the commentator it was primarily the Jews from Jerusalem who were influenced by the priest who said, let his blood be upon us and our children. Man, they did not know what they were asking that day, did they? They had no idea what those words would cost them and the generations to follow. As Jesus advanced down the side, the west side of the Mount of Olives, towards the city. And he was praised by the crowd as the Messiah. The disciples and his followers began to take off their cloaks and throw them on the road in front of Jesus. This was a sign of great reverence and respect. The whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God. And they were praising him For all of the miracles they had seen. For all of the evidence of spiritual power. Okay? They had seen him raise people from the dead. They had seen him open blind eyes. They had seen him open deaf ears. And they were praising him for the power of the miracles that took place. This divine evidence of power. Once again, I think there were probably people in the crowd who were just kind of caught up in the moment. You notice there's people who are just, they're kind of oblivious to a lot of things, and they just kind of get caught up in the moment. There were probably some who were like that. They were just like, yeah, what's happening here? And here comes Jesus and everyone's singing, and, and they kind of maybe get caught up in that moment. But among the crowd, there were Pharisees. And these Pharisees had an understanding of the meaning of what was going on. And the Pharisees speak up and they say to Jesus, because they understand it. they're saying messianic, they're proclaiming back to him messianic prophecies. They're declaring him to be the Messiah. He's coming in not riding on a horse. He's coming in gentle and coming in as a the prince of peace, coming into Jerusalem. And the Pharisees understood what was taking place here. And they say to him, teacher, tell your followers to shut up. Don't let them say that you're the Messiah. Don't let them make these claims about you. Don't let them praise you. And Jesus said to them, if they do not, if they don't praise me, even inanimate objects will declare my praises. Even the rocks will cry out. All of history had pointed towards this single spectacular event when the Messiah would publicly present himself to the nation. And God desired for this fact to be acknowledged that Jesus was the Messiah, that he was the Prince of Peace, he was Israel's King. Now, no doubt many of the pilgrims thought that Jesus would get rid, and not the pilgrims like from... New England, the pilgrims, people from all over Israel who had made pilgrimage to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. Many of them thought, now Jesus is going to get rid of these Roman invaders. And now Jesus is going to establish his kingdom. Sometimes we have our way that we think the Lord is going to work in our lives. Don't we? Do any of you have your plan in your mind? Okay, it's going to go like this. And it's going to go like that. And it's going to go like this. We have our three year and our one year and our five year and our 10 year plan. Like we have our way. We think, God, maybe I'm the only person who does this. I don't want to say I make bargains with God. But we have like an unwritten understanding. That I'll do what you want me to do. Now, we've never really even discussed it. But it's one of those understandings. I'll do what I feel you want me to do. And then obviously, (laughs) you'll return the favor, right? Don't we kind of have that? In our minds, we think, okay, God, if I turn from my sins and turn to you, then you'll make my life pretty good. If I pray and read my Bible, and, and if I serve in the church, and if I help people out, then you'll take care of my problems, And you'll make me successful. And you'll cause my wife to agree with me. You'll cause my kids to behave. And you'll cause people to like me. And you'll make me successful on my job. And you'll always provide enough resources. And everyone will think I'm wise and full of great ideas. And whatever your situation is. That's the mentality that we have. We think that, okay, I'm saying, Hosanna, I'm singing to you. And then... I'm going to follow you, and then you're going to do what I want. And that's what a lot of these pilgrims who came to Jerusalem at that time, that's kind of what they thought. A lot of them thought, okay, we're going to declare you. We've seen the power. We've seen you open blind eyes. No one can do that. We've heard of you raise Lazarus from the dead. We knew people who were witnesses to that maybe they were there. We saw the feeding of the 5,000. Who can do that? All of these miraculous displays of God's power, we know that, okay, we'll declare you the Messiah, and we'll follow you. And since we get in on the ground floor, we're sure that there's things you'll do for us. Maybe I'll have a high position in your new kingdom. I know what you'll do. You'll kick out the Romans and you'll establish a new rule of government. But that's not how Jesus came. That's not how his kingdom worked. He didn't come in on a white horse. In the future, he will. He come in as the prince of peace. Humble, gentle, riding on the foal of a donkey, just a young donkey. Jesus is going to set up a political kingdom, overthrow the Roman occupiers, and we'll live happily ever after. But that's not always the case. And whenever you give your life to Jesus, and you start to follow him, sometimes we have this mentality that if I serve God, I'll live happily ever after. If I serve God, I'll never get laid off from my job. If I serve God, my family will never face trying times or difficulties. If I serve God, if I obey him, and let me say this to you very clearly, There are many, there are many heartaches that you can avoid by simply obeying the word of God. There are a lot of self-inflicted wounds and problems that you and I experience because we fail to obey God's word. Remember on Friday, two weeks ago, our guest speaker talked about that Jesus, we see Jesus, Jesus is the life giver a lot of times people want to look at him as Jesus, the lawgiver. You can't do this. You can't do that. But no, Jesus is the life giver that whenever his laws give life, and the reason why he establishes his laws is so that it will give life to us, not to hold life back from us. As Jesus approaches the city, let's get down to the next section here in our scripture, verse 41. As Jesus approached Jerusalem, he saw the city and he wept over it and said, If you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace. But now it's hidden from your eyes. The day will come when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground and you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another Because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. When Jesus looked over the city of Jerusalem. Here he is in the midst of all of these people who are singing Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And they're throwing their cloaks on the ground and they're cutting branches down and they're throwing the branches and they're recognizing him there's a portion of the people who are recognizing jesus as the messiah publicly the pharisees are saying don't let them say this about you teacher and jesus says "If they don't praise me the very rocks are going to cry out my praises And in the midst of this, Jesus comes to a place where he looks over the city of Jerusalem and he's struck with a deep sorrow. Now, we've seen someone cry. We've all seen that before. Maybe where someone will tear, will come down their face. But I want you to think about those times when you've seen someone sob. Not just a little cry. One of those things that's from the deepest part of a person's being. Maybe you've been with someone when they found out that their child was going to die or their child had died. Maybe you've been with someone who is dealing with issues from their past and this stuff, this junk just comes up and you've sat with someone and they've just sobbed uncontrollably. There's something about that that's when you're there, when you experience that with someone. It's one of those things that you never forget. Now, Jesus, when Jesus wept, it wasn't just like a tear coming down. And commentators would suggest to us that it is this from deep down inside of him, this deep groaning and moaning, this sobbing over Jerusalem. Why was he sobbing over them? Well, this sobbing, this groaning over the city, because they did not understand the significance of what was happening that day. The national acceptance of Jesus as Messiah, as the Prince of Peace, as their King would have brought them peace. But because the people did not recognize the time of God's coming, that city would be destroyed. This would take place in AD 70, just within a generation from then. The temple would be destroyed. Not a stone left on another. There would be utter destruction to that city and Jesus in his foreknowledge understood that but he understood this that they would choose they did not understand what the day was they didn't understand that he was the prince of peace who was coming to them Jesus said if only you knew what would bring you peace but you can't see it because it's hidden from you This destruction is coming your way because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. They didn't recognize that God was coming to them. They didn't understand and they chose to reject him. This visitation of the Messiah coming to them to those who received him. To those who would receive him, he would come into them their lives. May I suggest to you today that there are those sitting in congregation across the country that Jesus weeps over. He weeps over them because they do not understand the significance of what he is doing in their lives at this very moment. They do not know who or what it is that will bring them peace. They do not recognize the time of God's coming to them. Perhaps they don't realize that God is visiting them. And there were those within the crowd who recognized that Jesus was the Messiah. There were those within the crowd who sang Hosanna, blessed is he, who rejoiced and responded. And yet there were many others who were like, who is this guy? And there were those who said, away with him. May I suggest to you today that There are times that God visits us and we don't recognize his visitation. There are times, let's apply this to our lives today. There are times that God shows up in your life, in mine. Maybe he shows up through a prophecy. Maybe he shows up through a word of knowledge. Maybe he shows up through a message that you hear. Maybe he shows up through a friend who says, I don't know why, but I just feel like I need to pray with you. I've just been concerned about you. Are you okay? Is everything gone all right? And a person will be like, uh, yeah. But there are times, listen to me, there are times that God shows up in our lives. And because it doesn't look the way that we think it should, sometimes we reject it. Well, that can't be God speaking to me. Because it doesn't fit into your plan or my plan. Because it's not in your time or my time. There's times in which God shows up and we say, no, that's not God. No, that's just me. I want to relate this to our moving forward. This is kind of what the Lord put on my heart. I'm not quite sure how you're going to receive it. But it said, whenever God talks about driving out their enemies. In Deuteronomy 7, verse 22, it says, The Lord your God will drive out those nations before you. "'Little by little, you will not be allowed to eliminate them all at once, "'or the wild animals will multiply around you. "'But the Lord your God will deliver them over to you, "'throwing them into great confusion until they are destroyed. "'He will give their kings into your hands, "'and you will wipe out their names from under heaven. "'No one will be able to stand against you. "'You will destroy them. "'The images of their gods you are to burn in the fire. "'Do not covet the silver or the gold on them, "'and do not take it for yourselves, or you will be ensnared by it, "'for it is detestable to the Lord your God.' Do not bring a detestable thing into your house, or you, like it, will be set apart for destruction. Utterly abhor and detest it, for it is set apart for destruction. The point I wanted to make to you is the Lord your God will drive out the nations before you little by little. There's times in which we think that God's not working in our lives because God works in slow ways. Sometimes there's things that you've asked God to do, you've wanted God to do in your life, and you make Small incremental advances And you're like, well, that can't be god That must just be chance I'm having this small incremental advance and uh No, if god was really working in my life If god was really working in my life if this is really the messiah He's going to come in in political power He's not going to get crucified If he's really the messiah He's going to take control of the city He's going to drive out the Romans. I don't know. And there were many that in the midst of that rejected Christ because he didn't come in the way that they thought he was going to come. Now, I know that God is at work in your lives. But my friend, can I say this to you? Don't miss the day of his visitation. God may come to you. In the past, God spoke through donkeys. And God may speak to you through an unsaved co-worker who kind of calls you to account on something that you're doing wrong. Huh? God may speak to you through your child. God may speak through you through circumstances or situations, things that you're saying, if God was really working in my life, it would fall out this way. Don't miss the day of his visitation. You and I need to understand that the Lord is coming to speak to our hearts. And it may be in those incremental victories that he brings. You're saying, well, no, pastor, if God was in my heart, if God was really working in my life, if this was God, it would just fall in place the way that I feel it should. And that's not the case. We understand that God works in mysterious ways. He works in ways that we can't always comprehend and we can't always discern. But don't miss the day of his visitation. There's some folks who, I know this, there's some folks who, they're going wrong directions. And God sends all kind of people to say to them, turn, 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 turn. And they just like, oh, that's not God. Oh, no, that's not God. And I believe that the Lord weeps over those people. Because where are they headed? They're headed for destruction. That's where it's headed. It's headed for destruction. If they don't turn. As we close, I just want to share this with you. Don't miss out. Don't be like the city of Jerusalem. And many of those followers who did not recognize the day of God's visitation. Some of you, the circumstances that are going on in your life right now are days of God's visitation. Some of the worst things that have ever happened in your life are days of God's visitation. God's setting you up, not to hurt you. Joseph, some of the best days in his life, we can't imagine this, some of the best days of his life was whenever his brothers threw him in the pit. Why? Oh my, that was terrible. Why? Because God was setting him up to be the number two man in all of Egypt and to save the lives of many people. But he couldn't understand that on day one in the pit. And how about the first time ended up in Potiphar's house? God was setting him up, setting him up. What to be thrown in prison? No, to meet the king's baker and the candlestick maker, and it wasn't the candlestick maker. You know what I'm saying? And the cupbearer. I think that's uh, that's one of the uh, nursery rhymes. Yes, the butcher, the baker, and the candlestick maker. My mom used to read those to me. But God was setting him up to bless him. And may I suggest to you today that some of the trials that you're going through, that you think God can't possibly be in this, things must be out of control and God must have forgotten about me and and I don't know if things are ever going to work out. May I suggest to you today that God is setting you up. He's setting you up to show himself strong in your life. He's setting you up. And even the difficult things, we have this promise of this, that all things work together for good. To them that love God, and to them that are called according to his purposes. So even some of the biggest trials in your life, even some of the most difficult times, are opportunities for God to show himself as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. They're opportunities for him to show you that he is your Messiah, that he's your deliverer, that he's your soon coming king. Don't be blinded to it. As we close today, this is what I want to ask you. I just want to ask you this. Maybe there's just one person here today that you're just in danger of missing the day of God's visitation. That there may be things that God is trying to do in your life, in your future. And it's really important that your eyes be opened and that you be able to see the hand of God. I just want to pray for you just right now. Lord Jesus... As we come before you, we thank you for revealing yourself as the Messiah, as the Prince of Peace, as our soon coming King. And right now, I just pray for people who maybe there are circumstances in their lives, and it's hard for them to see Jesus. Maybe they're in danger of having Him pass them by, and them not even recognize His work in their lives. I just pray that you'd speak to your people's hearts right now. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I just want to give you this opportunity here on Palm Sunday. Maybe you're in a place with you and the Lord that you just say, man, I know God's concerned about my situation. And it would be so easy for me just to go on my way and doing my thing. It would be very easy for me to go my way, do my thing, and miss what God is trying to do in my life. And you'd say, Pastor, I know God's trying to do a work in my life, and I just don't want to miss what He's trying to do. I'm scared. I'm scared I'm going to be blinded to what He's trying to do. Would you just pray for me, Pastor, that i be able to see God's plan in this situation, that I'll be able to see God's wisdom, and that I'll be able to submit to that, and truly let him be Lord in this part of my life. If that's you today, can I, we just raise your hand. I would just want to pray over you. Anyone here today who, just today, you're in a place where you need to recommit your life to the Lord. Maybe for a while you've been going your way. And we both know how that's going to work out for you. But you just want to say today, I just want to, I'm not going to embarrass you, but I just want to publicly Say before God, I just want to I just want to raise my hand to say, God, I just need to recommit my life to you today. A fresh and new. I'm gonna make a commitment today that I'm gonna follow you afresh and anew. I've done my own thing. It's not working for me. I know there's no future in that, but I just need to recommit my life to the Lord today. Just a fresh and new. Maybe for the first time. I want to pray with you. Anyone else? You want to recommit your life to Christ today? Want Him to be your Lord and Savior. Just a recommitment. Now, Jesus, I want to pray with you. And, and you pray from your heart. The thing is, is God knows God knows your heart. See, the moment we acknowledge him, he acknowledges us. If, we want, if we're ashamed of him, he'll be ashamed of us. Now, Lord Jesus, I just pray for your people. First of all, those who just raise their hand and say, God, I just want to recommit my life to you. I want to recommit my whole being to following Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that you died upon the cross for my sins. Thank you, Lord, that you have purchased me with your blood. All of those things that the devil, the enemy, tries to put in my mind about me. That I'm not good enough, that I'm not worthy. And they're all true. But Jesus' blood makes me worthy. I can stand before the Father unashamed. Because I've been clothed in his righteousness. Lord, as they've made that prayer of recommitment today. As they've asked you, Lord, to once again wash them afresh and anew, to renew them. Lord, I thank you for the grace of God that's new every morning that's poured out in our lives. And Lord, I also pray for those, I just, they just said, God, I don't want to miss the day of your visitation. I don't want to miss what you're doing. And I'm afraid if I'm not careful, I'll miss that time in which God is at work in my life and I won't even see it. I won't even discern it. God, I just pray that you would make yourself so very real and strong and powerful in the lives of those friends who raise their hand. As they raise their hand, what they're saying is, Lord, I need your help. Lord, you don't turn away any who come to you. Those who come to you with humble hearts, you will not turn us away. And so as we present ourselves before you, God, I thank you that you're going to give us new vision. You're going to give us clarity of thinking. And you're going to bring around us people, Lord, who love us and care for us, who are going to help walk us through some of the challenging times that we face in this life. Lord, to you be the glory. To you be the praise. I thank you, Lord, that many ways you rescue us from ourselves. You protect us. You redirect our steps. And right now, Lord, in many ways, it doesn't even seem hard. It's just that course adjustment. But that slight adjustment in the end leads to greater things in you. We thank you for that. Lord, we bless your name. We praise your holy name. We thank you, Lord, that you truly are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And you are worthy of our praise. We thank you for redeeming us with your blood. And we truly say blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Salvation comes from you, O God. And we bless your name. Now, Lord, I pray that as your people go from here, I pray that they would view the situations and the circumstances in their lives through a different lens. I pray that they'd be able to see... How God is at work, even in the small and insignificant things that they can't always grasp. But they would see that God's hand is at work in their lives. And we'll praise you and thank you for that in Jesus' name.